Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. As always, my name is Christian Conway. I'm joined by Max Keen and Jonathan Krauss. And today we have a little bit of a more lighthearted episode, which I'm excited for, because it's our first ever Q&A, our question and answer podcast, where we ask you guys for questions on our Instagram account, at Living Victory Podcast. Check us out. And you responded with questions, so we're going to answer them today. We're going to have a lot of fun, and I am interested to see where this episode is going to go. None of this is planned, by the way. Yes, very um, unplanned. Christian is really the only one that knows the questions. He kind of mentioned to us right before the podcast started. So you are getting our general live answers to these questions. So hopefully they're going to be better than not so good. <laughs> better than not so good, yes. You know, us here at the Living Victory Podcast, that's that's what we aim to be, better than not so good. All right, so we're going to open with this first question, and it's it's honestly the easiest question, so I don't even know why we're bothering asking it. But Max Keen wants to know, who is the best host? And I think we're all in agreement here. The best host is obviously me. It's There's not even really any argument about it. <laughs> that's that's yeah, your laugh. That's a fake laugh right That's there. your laugh no, of agreement. Laugh. No, no, it's, it's a fake laugh because obviously it's me. Sigh. <laughs> Jonathan's disappointed in you for thinking it's not me, Max. Oh, I, I'm I'm sorry. Was I supposed to say you? I don't know. That's uh, probably the humble thing. That's podcast <laughs> That would be the humble the Bible... Christian thing to do. <laughs> Bible says I shouldn't lie, though. So oh, I mean, can't go around saying you're the best host. Wow, I see how it is. And that's the episode today. Um, if Max does not show up on the next episode, it may or may not be because we stashed his body in a ditch. <laughs> so you're just gonna fly all the way from guam to america just <laughs> to bury uh, i i uh, to be honest though i think the the reason that the three of us started this podcast is because we all know that each one of us has something to offer that the other two don't and i think that our chemistry together is really great because we all have certain strengths and certain weaknesses and our our strengths are very complementary with one another so it really depends on which aspect you're talking about. If you're talking about a certain aspect, one of us might be the strongest of the three. But if you're talking about another aspect, another person might shine in that as in that you know part of the podcast. So that's one of the things I really like about our dy- dynamic that we have going is just the fact that we are so agreeable. We um, get together and we plan these things together. But then also throughout the podcast, we know that each one of us has something that we're a little bit stronger at than the other two. So we just allow each other to work through our strengths and. Hopefully, God's using us in a great way uh, with this podcast. All right, so we're going to get to our second question here. This question is actually a very interesting one. I'm interested to see what Jonathan and Max's answer to this question are because there's a lot of possible answers to this question. What's the craziest thing that ever happened to y'all on one of your missions trips? Okay, I guess I'll go. So we have a drama where at the end of the drama, you know, Jesus beats up satan essentially i mean doesn't actually beat him up but you know he strikes he satan with his heel. exactly pretty and much beats this... him up though i mean it, it's great <laughs> pretty much um but this one this was the trip after jonathan and christian quit so 
Wow, um, you make it sound like we're quitters. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Up. No. But this was a um, this was a trip where it was some of our old group and then some people from a new church got together. And one time when we were doing the skit, I was Jesus and I accidentally kicked whoever was playing Satan in the head. And so I... That made for a very unpleasant um, talk after the <laughs> skit, but yeah. So, a note of advice: if you ever have to fake kick someone in the head, um, make sure you don't actually kick them in the head. Did you kick the person hard? Um, like were they really mad hard. at you? No, no, no. It, no I it think was... it was. I think it was me. Oh, was then I would have me? done it twice. No, it was Andrew. <laughs> so you're telling me you kicked two people, Matt? Oh, oh, uh, no, 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 kicked yeah. two people. Because you're telling you're you started the story by saying we weren't there, but I definitely yeah. got kicked in the head one time when I was Satan. Okay, well then I've probably kicked two people, man. <laughs> anyway, oh I yeah, it's it's not like it doesn't actually hurt, but you you are getting kicked in the head, and it, there's on ah. Uh, there's often a crowd watching you, so just imagine laying on the ground in the middle of the street, getting kicked in the head in front of a crowd of people watching. <laughs> just for no, context but... for everyone, <laughs> essentially what happens in this skit that we use for Mission Possible is there's the main girl, and she's essentially trying out things of the world, and we have these signs that represent um, different sins that she's committing, and when she goes and tries them out, essentially we put the sign around her neck so it's got like a like a chain around the sign and it's kind of like a necklace um so we keep putting different sins on her until she can't walk anymore because of the weight of her sin and then eventually jesus comes into the story and takes those signs and those chains off of her and puts them on himself and then he goes to the cross and he dies and then satan satan's kind of in it the whole time doing his thing and then when Jesus dies on the cross and he's got his, he's got the, the sin of the world essentially is what it representing. Um, saying Satan gets up, he thinks he's one, he's, you know, big man on campus. And then obviously Jesus rises from the grave and throws the chains off himself. And then he essentially banishes Satan. Um, and kind of the way we do it is we use that verse where uh, it says that um, the serpent will bruise his heel um, talking about how Jesus will bruise his heel um, by essentially stepping on Satan. Uh, and so we kind of incorporated that verse into the actual skit. So we have Jesus, um, essentially uh, Satan ends up on the ground and Jesus does like a little fake kick and then Satan kind of spazzes for a second and then that's it. Uh, so it's pretty easy though because you're always kicking at the head. Um but unfortunately, Max is just really inconsistent <laughs> with it, I guess you could say. So, But that's just a little context behind that actual skit and how we were using it. So it doesn't just sound like Max is going around kicking people in the head. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan and I both played Satan in this skit. And I'm not sure when you go on a missions trip and the leaders of the mission trip look at you and say, you know, you'd make a good Satan. I'm not sure if that's a compliment <laughs> or not, but, you know, I'm going to take it as a compliment because... I think we made pretty good Satans. Don't you think, Jonathan? I'm going to remain no comment on this one. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, all right. Uh, I'll go with my story next. This story was actually, if you hear just what happened in the story, it sounds a whole lot worse than it actually is. We had the police called on us one time when we were preaching on the street. And I'll give you guys the context behind this story. So we like the skit that Max was just telling you about. We have a lot of different skits that we use before we give our messages to draw people in and to get, you know, get their attention before we actually start preaching the gospel. And one skit that we use is called Dr. Doctor. And essentially it's a, a director and a bunch of actors creating a scene. And the actors are creating a scene where a boy gets stabbed with a fake knife and he comes in and basically tells his parents, you know, I've been stabbed, I've been stabbed. And then they call the doctor and the doctor comes running in and he pronounces the boy dead. And the reason that we do this skit is because it's a it's a funny skit, actually, because the actors the entire time, every every time they do the scene, they mess it up. So it's about a 10 second scene, but they do it about six or seven times. And every time they do it, they mess it up one way or another. So they're either too slow or they laugh the whole time or they don't show any emotion in their voice. Uh, And then every time after they do the scene, the director yells cut and then he comes in and tells them what they did wrong and tells them to do it again. But whatever correction he tells them to make, they overcorrect. So if they start off too quiet, then the director comes in, tells them to be louder, and then they come in the next scene and they just yell all of their lines, like over-exaggerating all of the lines and the yelling and everything. And then at the end of the play, they do the scene perfectly and the director comes in, he's like, oh, that was a great scene. And then the cameraman comes over and says, I forgot to press record. And then everybody angrily chases the cameraman off the scene and it's it's a pretty funny uh, skit. But one time we were doing this skit in a town called Kelowna, Canada. And this skit obviously has a boy with a fake knife and he's telling his parents that he's been stabbed. But this one particular night, somebody actually thought that somebody had been stabbed when we were doing the skit. So they called the police and reported a stabbing. And the police came over to us and asked us what we were doing. And we explained that we were preaching the gospel and they asked us if they, we had seen a stabbing or anything about a stabbing. And we were like, Oh, you're talking about the skit that we do. And he was like, what? So we explained the skit to him and he looked at us and said, yeah, you can't do that anymore. You can't pretend to have stabbings, especially because a lot of, a lot of the parts of that skit are either too loud or one, one part they over-exaggerate the emotion. So everybody's crying and it's, it's, Definitely, if you were far away and you looked, it would look like something was going on. So it was it was just funny that we had done that skit for years on Mission Possible. But that one night, somebody legitimately thought that there had been a stabbing. So they called the police on us and the police shut us down and told us we couldn't do that skit anymore. Yeah, whenever the police come over, you always get that really fuzzy feeling throughout your whole body. And it's not because, you know, we're like scared of the police or anything. You just know that they're going to talk to you about something. So it's, you know, you, you always get that pit feeling in your stomach whenever the police are looking at you and they're walking at you at a brisk rate. Uh, yeah, definitely. With there the were so many. Mind, so. Yeah, there were so many things that we did on those those nights when we would preach the gospel that the police might come to us about. Like we used speakers and, you know, microphones sometimes for our skits or for our messages. We handed out little Bible tracks. We um, set up our paintboard on the corner. We did skits. So there are a lot of things that, might be you know not necessarily approved by the local police like sometimes you have to get permits to set up on the corner like that sometimes you have to get permits to hand things out so it really depends it's like hit or miss where you are depending on what the police are going to come to you about this time but 
it, we make it sound like we got the police called on us a lot. And that's not, <laughs> that's not the case because that story was one of the only times I can remember a policeman actually telling us that we were doing something wrong. Yeah. Most of the time it's just the policeman asking us to politely move um, to a different location that's like near where we were. So we didn't block as much traffic with people stopping to listen and everything. So yeah. I I, honestly, most of the run-ins that we had with the police on all of our mission trips were, um, they were very courteous people and they were just trying to be uh, reasonable with us. So, yeah. And that was actually one of the blessings that sometimes we would give our messages and we would have so many people watching that the entire sidewalk would be blocked. So nobody could, you know, get through the sidewalk. And we actually, we did a lot of our preaching in Ocean City, Maryland, because every year we'd go to Ocean City, which is a boardwalk town, like a vacation town. And we would preach on the boardwalk and the boardwalk was probably 20 or 30 feet wide, but we would get crowds of 60, 70, 80 people that blocked the entire 30 foot wide boardwalk. So it was really amazing to see how the Lord used us with our, our gospel messages out on the street and the boardwalk. So my crazy story on MP is probably a little bit more heavy from my perspective, but I don't know if I've said this on the podcast yet, uh, but we were in Canada. We were in Vancouver and we set up on this. So it's funny context behind this. Well, not really funny. It's kind of terrible, actually. Um, every day we were doing ministry twice a day. In the morning, we were going to this place called Gastown. And it was a very, very homeless area. I mean, homeless people just lined the streets and buildings um, the place we actually set up to preaching, there was this kind of like street corner slash like plaza area. And there were just, I mean, 50 to a hundred homeless people there. Um, some of them were literally shooting up heroin right there on the street corner. Some people were relieving themselves right on the sidewalk. So it was a very interesting area. And then you like later in the evening, we went literally a couple blocks over and we were in the rich district. And like all the buildings were super nice and the sidewalks were super nice and everyone's walking around in suits. So it didn't take long to have a drastic change in the, I guess you could say income culture. So, but it was one, we, it was our first day there. And after preaching in Gastown, we went to the street corner um, in the more upscale district. And there was this guy that was set up probably 50 to a hundred feet away from us. Um, he was just up the street a little bit and we were on the street corner and he kept uh, kind of harassing uh, the people that were handing out tracks in our group. And he kept every now and then, you know, pestering people. And then it, it started to escalate a little bit uh, until at one point we had two of the girls on our team. They were handing out tracks and they were sort of close to where he was. They weren't really near him. Uh, but he started to really curse them out and started using really vulgar language against them. And so uh, I have no idea what I was thinking, but I walked up to this guy. He's an old guy, definitely homeless. Um, looks like he could probably beat me up with his experience. But I just, I just walked up to him and I just stood there because I didn't really know what to do. But I was just like, I wasn't really up for the fact that he was cursing and calling out our girls with vulgar language and stuff like that that i didn't want to leave that standing 
So I kind of walked up to him and I just stood there and stared at him. I don't, I don't even remember really saying anything. Uh, and he did all of these things. Um, he like threw cigarettes at me. He fake punched me and kicked me and everything. Came really close one time. Uh, and then eventually he just like he stopped and he just stared at me for a second. And I swear his facial expression changed. Like, I can't prove this, obviously, but his whole demeanor just changed for a second. And he kind of went from a little bit more mentally unstable and mentally insane. And it was all gone. Like, he was just rigidly there. And he just looked at me and he said, you know nothing of us. And I was like, I mean, that was my first run in with spiritual warfare um and that was really eye-opening for me so after that he said that to me i think i actually i think i might have laughed or something super nervously because i didn't know what to do maybe even let out a nervous fart i don't know but i just kind of stood there for a second more and because i was like trying to figure out what the heck i should do and then some random lady came over and ended up like diffusing the situation um but that was my first run in, I would say, where how how should I say this? How deep spiritual warfare really is and how real it is. Um, that was my first run in with it. And that was that kind of shook me up for a couple of days. That was the end of the trip um, in Canada anyway. But that really shook me up quite a bit because that was really like probably one of the first moments that I realized that we're dealing with some real stuff. And that's when I realized that demons were definitely real, um, that they were very present uh, and not in the way that our culture probably represents them as little guys with tails that kind of go <laughs> at you, but they were definitely evil. And it was like, I kid you not the look on his face, the, the look in his eye was just completely different from, from before, from previous and it was just really eye-opening. So that was definitely probably one of the craziest things for me that happened on MP. Yeah, I, I remember that incident because it was a learning experience for our team because we had, after Jonathan had that incident, a lot of, he was there every night. So we preached on this street corner five nights that week, five nights in a row. And he was there the first four nights. So we continued to try to give him tracks and, once, once that happened to Jonathan, we had a few more um, interactions with him. And every time he said something about us or we, I remember one time he told me, he said, we don't want you here. And so it was very, like Jonathan said, eye-opening. And so we actually, after the fourth night, we went back as a team and we actually studied what the Bible said about demons. So it was a good opportunity for us to look into the scriptures to see what the Bible has to say about demons and what the Bible, like the demons that Jesus encountered and how they manifested themselves. And so it was a really good bonding experience for our team and just a good um, Bible study experience for us because we had done our devotion that day, but we wanted to continue to dive into God's word and learn about that together. It really helped us grow together as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll move on to the next question now, which is one for Christian is how did it feel when you moved? Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting for me to tell my side of the story, but then also for Jonathan and Max to tell their side of the story, because I always know my side of the story of what it feels like for me to move away from a place that I've established roots in. But 
I never really get to hear the opposite side of the story. So I'll be interested to hear that. But for me, it's I'm a military child. So moving is really all I've ever known. I get the question a lot. People ask, well, what is it like to move all the time? Like, do you like moving all the time or would you prefer to stay in the same place? And my answer is really always the same. I say, I don't know what it's like to live in the same place your whole life. So I can't answer that question. I can't tell you which one I'd prefer because the longest I've ever lived in any one place is for three years. So I've, I'm used to, you know, moving to a place, establishing roots, and then picking right back up and moving again three years later. And Maryland was really the first place that I had a real solid friend group. I was 13 when we moved there. And by the time I left, when I was 16, I had this great group of friends. And it was really the first place that I did not want to leave. But we ended up having to leave because of the military. We moved to Guam. And it was it was rough for me. I think that we had one last hoorah as a friend group right before I moved. We went out to dinner at a Japanese hibachi steakhouse. And when I had to say goodbye to everybody that night, I think that was the first time I had cried in a while because I was, I was staying with Jonathan at his house. So I had to say goodbye to everybody. And then I headed home with Jonathan and I knew that I wasn't going to see any of them for, you know, a long time. So it was really rough for me. And then once I got to Guam, I began to, you know, build community here and find a church and everything, but it's still never the same when you know that you have uh, a solid group of guys on the other side of the world that, I, I want to hang out with them and I want to do things with them. And it's rough because I'm on the group chat with them. So every time they plan something, I, he, I see it and I hear it. And I'm like, oh man, that'd be so cool to go see that movie with you guys or go to the park with you guys. But I know that God has a great plan for me because that's one thing I love about the military life is that every time you move, you get to look back at the place that you had just moved from and you can see how God used you in that place. And it's really a testimony to God's plan and God's will to be able to look back at every place I've ever lived and see how God used that place to change me and to help me grow closer to him and grow more in my faith. So I'm excited to see what God has for me in the rest of my time here in Guam. And once I eventually move back to the States, I'll be much closer with all the guys in Maryland and I'll be able to make day trips up to see him and stuff. So that'll be cool. But I, while it is unfortunate that I have to move away from people that I was really close to, I am having faith. I'm maintaining faith that God has put me here for a reason. And I already have, have begun to see the reasons falling into place for why God put me and my family in Guam at the time he did. Uh, and I'm really appreciative of that because I've, I've seen how he's helped me grow in my different relationships here in Guam and just the amazing things that have happened. And some of the blessings in Guam, like the, the hikes and the ocean and the beach and everything, just if you go to the beach in Guam, you, you're never going to look at the beaches in the United States the same ever again. It's just so much more beautiful that like every shade of blue you could ever imagine is in the water and the sand is, you know, beautiful and soft. And it's like just any, anytime you imagine a tropical paradise Island in your, in your head, that's what the beaches here are like. So I really appreciate the fact that I know as a Christian that God is moving me around for a reason and that he has a plan and a will and a purpose for me everywhere he moves me, which isn't to say it's not difficult, but I'm glad to know that I have a God who cares for me and loves me uh, that's in control of where I go and when I'm there. So for me, I mean, it was definitely tough for me because over the three years that I got to know you, I ended up, you know, living with you for a couple weeks um, and then going on missions trips with you. And by the end of those three years, you were probably my best friend. And so once you moved, 
it was kind of just a shock for me. I mean, obviously, I knew that you were going to move eventually. But then once it finally got there, I was like, oh, wow, it's like actually happening now. Um, Because Christian was one of those guys for me where every time something would come up, you know, he'd be the first person I tell. I'd just share everything that I was going through, all the victories, all the hardships. He was the first person I'd turn to, first person I'd tell. Um, And so once he moved, it was kind of like, wow, um, he's gone now. I mean, yeah, we can still text, but, you know, man, I'm not going to see him for a while. And so that was kind of just a bit of a shock for me. Um, And obviously, you know, he's still super close to me and um, still one of the first people I talk to um, whenever something comes up. But just him moving away was definitely, once it got there, I was just kind of shocked. Yeah, for me, it was... I mean, obviously, after three years on MP, three summers on MP, after each summer on MP, that would make our friendship throughout that next year stronger, I guess you could say. Until obviously we got to like the third MP and then we were all like really, really good friends. Uh, but it's, for me, Christian was a such a great Christian friend, ironically. Um, but I like whenever I think of Christian, I always think of that verse in Proverbs as Proverbs as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. Well, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And one thing that I loved about my friendship with Christian, and obviously I'm still friends with Christian. It's just like we don't see each other all the time like we used to. But like Christian and I, we loved talking about dicey things in the Bible we love talking about things that we didn't understand. I loved bouncing ideas off of them. I mean, like we loved just having conversations about anything, anyone, um, trying to dive into God's word deeper and like really spurring each other on, uh, you know, into faith and good deeds. And like that was really probably the first friend I ever had where he took his faith super seriously and he spurred me on to take my faith more seriously and obviously i've got i've got really good friends in the church and everything um but when you grow up with people in the church it's less of a hey let's grow as men together in christ and more of like hey let's you know just be friends in life and everything um but when like christian came into town uh thinking he was big man on campus or whatever uh no, it was just like we we got to know each other really well. And then we went on MP and like I saw how much he really cared about his faith, how much he was really striving to um, become a better man and become a better follower of Christ. And that really spurred me on to take my faith more seriously and try to become a better man myself. So obviously I was pretty bummed. Um, we all knew that he was going away after three years. Like we all knew that it was going to happen. Uh, but we kind of just ignored that fact until it actually happened, unfortunately. And then he kind of was just gone uh, after a second. And for me, I didn't really have a time where I sat there where I was just like, oh, no, Christian's leaving, Christian's leaving, Christian's leaving, because it happened so fast for me. But I definitely noticed quite a gap in my uh, iron sharpens iron, I guess you could say, 
I don't know how you would say this. Like I didn't really have an iron sharpens iron friend at the time when you left. And that definitely was a hole there that um, was really unfortunate. So I really enjoyed that about your in-person friendship. Um, and, you know, since then I have grown relationships with other people to the point where I've gotten where we're starting to grow in our iron sharpens iron faith. But that was definitely like a huge thing that I praise God for was how much you really sharpened me as, as a Christian and also a man at the same time. Yeah. I, that's one thing I appreciated about both of you guys too, is you were probably the two closest friends that I could go to when I had biblical questions. Like not everybody is one of those friends that you can go to and ask a deep biblical question that you're actually wondering about. Cause some people, if you go to them and say, Hey, the Bible appears to contradict itself here. Let's look at it and figure it out. Some people would be like, oh, well, you're just a doubting Christian. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. There's no reason to look at that. Da, 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 da. And yes, I know that the Bible doesn't contradict itself, but I am one of those people that likes to have answers to everything. So I like to, knowing that I'm going to go out and evangelize and do apologetics with people on the streets, I want to ask myself as many questions, as many possible questions as I might face on the streets and be prepared for them and have answers for them. So Max and Jonathan were always, always those two guys that I could go to whenever I wanted to come up with an answer to a question that I had heard from somebody or, you know, sometimes you're just asked a question about the Bible that you try to answer, but you don't necessarily have as strong of an answer as you'd like. So I could always go to Jonathan and Max and, you know, show them the verse that I was asking them about or ask them the question, and then we'd work through it together and look into it. So I really like that, that, um, the verse that Jonathan used about iron sharpening iron, because that is a great way to describe my relationship with both him and Max. And it's very different not being in person with one another anymore, but God has still found ways to use us like this podcast to continue to help sharpening one another, even when we're thousands and thousands of miles away. So that, that was a great question. And I'm glad that we could answer that and go deep into it. Uh, we're going to move on to our final question here today. It's if you had to give one piece of advice about anything, what would the advice be? So we'll do the same thing here where each one of us gives an answer for this and then we'll close it out. So I guess I'll start um, with keep following God no matter what. Um, there are going to be hardships that come. Um, James tells us to rejoice in those times because it ultimately brings about our maturity. Um, but I know that during hardships, it can be tough to rely on God. Um, but that's when we're supposed to um, come to Him most um, and find comfort in Him. But keep following Him because He has a plan for your life. If you're a Christian, if you've been born again, then Ultimately, he's still working on your life. He's still growing you and making you more like him. And so the more you follow him, the more you pursue a relationship with him, the more you grow with him, then your your life is going to be so much more abundant um, from what I've seen. is You're just going to be able to do things that maybe you wouldn't, have done if you didn't go through these trials and didn't um, pursue him during those times. And so use 
the opportunities you have to really draw close to God. And so when times happen, whether good or bad, you can give thanks to God for all that he's done because he's blessed us in so many amazing ways. And so looking back on those blessings and giving thanks to God for those things, uh, you can really appreciate more all that he's done for you. For me, uh, this is just kind of a piece of advice for where I am in my life right now. After Ravi Zacharias passed away, I was listening to a lot of his stuff. And one thing that he said in one of his one video that I was watching was never forsake your times of study because they prepare you for your uh, for times of experience. And I had never really thought about studying in that way before that it prepares you for when God can use you. And, you know, I was always one of those people that I don't mind learning at all, but sometimes that walk to go study is the hardest thing on earth. And I guess, so my piece of advice and kind of an encouragement to you is never forsake your times of studying in the word. Never, you know, think, oh gosh, I'm just like reading my Bible. Like I'm not doing anything. Um, because really, you never know when that information, God will use that information that you're learning to possibly lead someone else to Christ. You might be put in a situation where certain scriptures pop in your mind that you wouldn't have uh, thought of if you hadn't been studying scripture. So, so this is my piece of advice is always take studying seriously. Always take studying God's word seriously. Um know that we're supposed to be getting to know God. We're supposed to be getting to know his character, getting to know his heart. Um, obviously in our process of sanctification, we're coming into a more holy and set apart relationship with him. And part of that is learning who God is, like what is his nature. And so I definitely want to, just from my experience, which is obviously limited, uh, but taking seriously our times of study, because eventually they we will be put in a position to use what we've learned for the kingdom of God. So definitely take your study seriously. Um, get in God's word. Um, if you have questions, look it up online or get a, a Bible reading partner, sort of like what we were doing on MP. Um, talking about God's word with other people is honestly a super exciting thing. And it really brings it to life and it can build relationships, stronger relationships with other people. So definitely uh, get in God's word, study hard. Um, because eventually it will prepare you for something that you might not have seen coming. Yeah. And my piece of advice is live life moment by moment. Now, this is a twofold piece of advice because it has two real good applications that I like to draw from it. And it really dictates the way that I live my life for Christ. Uh, the first way to live your life moment by moment, or the first lesson that you can draw from that is to always be present in the moment because so many people live their life either looking back on the good old days or something in the past that they wish they could go back to or living their life for something that's coming in the future, living their life for, you know, once I graduate, everything will be better. Or once I get married, everything will be better. Or once I, you know, move out of my parents' house or once I retire, everything will be better. But I found that if you live your life striving after something that's not in the moment, then you're constantly unsatisfied by the life that you're living. You're saying, if only I was here, I would be I would be happy. Or if only, I can't wait until this happens because I will be so much better off when that happens than I am right now. But if you live in the moment, there's always something 
to appreciate or to be thankful for in the moment. And whether that's just the fact that you're breathing or whether it's the food on the table or the roof over your head or the family, the loving family that's around you or the great you know, church that you're in or whatever it is, there's always something in every moment of every day, there is something to be thankful for. And living in the moment allows you to truly experience life how God intended for us to experience it and to experience the little joys in life without being distracted by things that are coming or things that have gone. Now, it's it's okay to be excited for something or to remember fondly on something, but don't allow that excitement or that remembrance to take over your mind to the point where you can no longer enjoy the moment that you're living in. And the second lesson that you can learn from living moment by moment is to realize that every moment you make a decision, every moment you make a decision to either follow God and the things that he has for you, or you make the decision to go against God and go against the things, the things that he has for you. And this sounds simple, but when you think about it, sometimes if you do one thing, one little thing that draws you away from God or pushes you away from God, then the next moment you feel like, oh man, well, I'm already, I'm already so far away from God. There's no redeeming this. And then you continue on in that situation. You continue on in whether it's sin or temptation or whatever bad situation you've put yourself in. But really, every moment you have the decision to either follow God or go against God. And it doesn't matter what happened the moment before that. It doesn't matter if the moment before that you were in complete rebellion against God and his plan for you. Because this moment, you can make the decision to change that. And that's not going to change until you make the decision to change it. So I found that as a, a really refreshing mindset because it keeps me from being trapped in that mindset of, oh man, I'm already so far away from God. I'm already on this bad path. Let me just go a little bit further because, you know, I'm already here. Like, why, why, why would I turn around and go now when I'm already so far, so close to this? But really, every moment you have that decision to turn toward God, to turn more toward him, to pursue him in everything you do. And I think that that's a great way to look at life and a great way to live your life, to live moment by moment for God and to appreciate the things that are given to you in the time that they're given to you. So we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. It's It's been really fun. I've personally enjoyed it because I enjoy having these lighthearted episodes every now and then where we get to you know, joke around and talk and tell stories and stuff. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did because this was honestly one of my favorite episodes we've done in a while. And I can't wait to do more as our audience grows and as we get more questions and, and uh, more listeners and more people to respond. As always, you can uh, find us at our website at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can find us on social media at Facebook and Instagram at Living Victory Podcast. Uh, if you want to email us, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email one of the individual hosts at Christian, Max, or Jonathan at livingvictorypodcast.com. Or you can email our general email, which is questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can email any comments, questions, suggestions, um, just a, a greeting, an encouragement, anything you want to say to us, you can email to that email, or you can send it to us on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. We're excited to continue this journey with you guys. We're excited to see where God takes us and honestly, how we can help change people's lives for Christ, help push people in the direction of Christ and help teach people about Christ. We are offering ourselves as tools to God and we can't wait to see how he utilizes us in the future. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening and as always, love each other and shine your light.